Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. The winner lives on, the loser is cast into the fiery pit of movie hell. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash. So on Monday, Top Gun entered the arena of judgment and had its wings clipped only slightly, but today aiming to outshine its older brother and by the end of the show be doing a victory lap from 1990. It's Days of Thunder. Hold on a minute, don't you think we ought to talk? What, about how I'm going to run? Sure. About how you've managed to live as long as you have. Think he can drive? Oh, he can drive. He can drive beyond the limits of the tires, the engine, the car, anything else. It's nothing I can't do with a race car. We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Two movies enter. One movie leaves. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you. He rubbed you, and Robinson is racing. <laughs> I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Robinson. I'm Chris Tilly. <laughs> Very quickly, if you haven't subscribed to us, if you'd be kind enough to do that on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods, it would be massively appreciated by the three of us. And if you are able to give us a little rating and review, we'd be very grateful. And if you do leave a review, it could be read out on the show by the wonderful Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, which sounds a bit like this. This review comes from Faults24, who says, I'm a proud OG listener who is all in on this podcast. I eagerly await this pod weekly, and it's opened up my eyes to a good mix of both Hollywood classics as well as a few lesser known 
known, but brilliant movies I'd previously been unaware of. Special mention for Society and oh. and Amy Want Green Drop Drink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while I come for the laughs, I also love learning about the inner workings of a movie as well as what makes a movie good, most notably being no more than about 90 minutes in duration. <laughs> Keep up the great work and I hope to see you at a live show someday soon. Five out of five. Oh, lovely. Oh, nice. Amy Want Green Drop Drink. <laughs> great episode. Great episode. Anyone? And a, and a society fan. Not a great episode. Uh, disturbing episode. Shunting. <laughs> the shunting. <laughs> so, Chris's choices this week. Top Gun versus Days of Thunder. Remind us why. Um, because it was about time we did Top Gun. Mm. I think. Fair and there's enough. a new Top Gun coming out. Mm. Bit of homework for everyone to do collectively. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. need to watch it before the new one. May the 27th. It's hitting cinema screens. Yeah. Great stuff. So on Monday, we got high watching Top Gun, which means today I'm going to see if Days of Thunder rubbed us the right way because Robinson <laughs> is racing. It's just anything in that accent, which is my accent. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. <clears throat> Robinson <laughs> is racing. Of, sounds of Sean Beanie. Oh yeah, racing. I've been working yeah. on a Sean Bean impression after good. our good. after our uh, National Treasure episode. Yes. I decided to try and practice Sean Bean, and it's coming on. This is this is a work in progress. Are you being so serious? Like, yeah, really. Genuinely. Do you do this at home? I've only just discovered. I never normally do it, but the Sean Bean thing has started to come in recently, and it's sort of that sort of slightly threatening. Yes. Like, <laughs> you're right, Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's nice to see you. <laughs> You seem a little bit red of the neck, but no, 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 I'm not trying to say anything. Can, can, can you say go on the blades in that accent? Go on the blades. On blades, surely. Go on blades. Very good. That's his team. His he took team. a nasty fall, Ben. <laughs> Most people would have broken all their bones. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking forward to our next Sean Bean. Let's get thinking. Let's get thinking. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> Let me take you on a journey. Let me take you on a journey. <laughs> Everything that happens in Top Gun replace the word planes with cars. Great day. No, I've got a proper one. Uh, Cole Trickle, real name, who sadly isn't a plumber or a venereal disease, arrives in a literal puff of smoke. <laughs> and despite never having driven a stock car, he's definitely the best stock car driver ever. But damn it, if he's not just a bit reckless and arrogant. Enter a sort of guilt-ridden Harry Hogue who comes out of hiding where he's avoided being investigated for the death of another driver. Apparently that's irrelevant, though. So moonshine addict Harry is going to help our hero with his good old boy wisdom and by hiring a stripper cop to make Cole trickle. Oh, yo. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Cole now gets into a tete-a-tete with another driver, Rowdy Burns, over whose name is stupider. <laughs> But then they become friends over a brain hemorrhage. <laughs> Cole then holds a woman hostage in a high-speed pursuit before getting into a fight with enemy number two, Russ Wheeler, because his name isn't quite stupid enough. In the end, Cole Trickle drives Rowdy Burns' car beating Russ Wheeler and a corporate sponsorship deal is saved. The end. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your consideration. <laughs> Days of Thunder. <laughs> So, uh, histories with this movie. I'll start. I watched it on VHS in the early 90s and I was very looking forward to it because I love car chase movies and car movies in general and I don't remember a fucking thing about it. Ah, it's funny you should say that. Mm. Uh, so, the stink was quite bad off this one. So, I didn't go to the cinema to see it and that was the year I went to the cinema to see everything in 1990, even Nuns on the Run. <laughs> um, but this did not make the cut. So, I watched it on video and I can remember two things from it. Go on. 
the wheelchair race in the hospital mm. and that weird thing he does on Nicole Kidman's leg. Oh, oh okay. yeah, he walks the sugar packet the slingshot. towards yeah. the family. What, the thing that Jerry Bruckheimer clearly loved so much, he went, Ben, yeah. yes, 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 <laughs> come here, yeah. come here. So this love scene, oh, what it yeah. needs... With the, the crackers is, on yeah, the crackers. Yeah. The, the, the little tiger here, is that, is that <laughs> what accent is that, Ben Affleck? <laughs> <laughs> and for that full segment, listen to our arm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Vicky. so you saw it and you can't remember it, you saw it and you can't remember it. I saw it for the first time last week, but I'd had a few wines, and so I can't quite remember it. <laughs> when that's not allowed. We had a long conversation I know, about I know, this. I know, I know, I know, it's, it's bad, it is bad. This is after I had to watch the Zack Snyder cut of yeah. Justice League <laughs> twice because of wine. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm. It's not my fault. I just, oh, I, I watched it in several sittings and then I'd had some drinks and then I, I was looking at my notes. I don't, they were illegible. So I had to look something up. I had to look up the plot on Wikipedia a bit for the end because I can't remember no, you, it. You watched it again, surely? No, I didn't. What? I, I, re- I wasn't, but I didn't you, have wine. So you, you haven't done this movie a disservice, have you? Because this is a great movie. So, Listen, I mean, obviously you worked that out from I was it. sober for like four-fifths of it and the last fifth, I don't remember. I mean, if you'd been sober for a third of it, you'd have seen the good bits. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't... It's but fine. I know what you say, but I, I hadn't seen it before. I knew it's where Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman met because everybody knows that. And I remember her hair mm. from it. And that's it. Okay. I didn't see pictures of her hair at the time. It was kind of everywhere in 1990. I mean, it was a big freaking deal in terms of the marketing. Like, you couldn't escape it. It was a massive movie. But let me take you back to the start of where this idea came from. So whereas Top Gun was pitched as Star Wars on Earth, this was pitched as Top Gun in cars. <laughs> it's 1986. Tom Cruise and Paul Newman are filming The Colour of Money. They take a break from filming, and Newman takes Cruise to do some practice laps in a stock car on the Daytona circuit. It's one of the stock cars belonging to the NASCAR team owner, Rick Hendrick. Cruz said in 2015 about this experience, I think I hit 175 miles an hour the second I climbed out of that car on the pit road. I said, we have to make a movie of this. <laughs> and sure enough, he began going, let's make a movie of this. Started making noises, went out for dinner with Rick Hendrick, whose car it was, and NASCAR driver, Jave Bedeen. And they proceeded to tell him loads of stories about working on NASCAR. For example, they told him about when the crew chief lied to a driver about having special tyres. Mm-hmm. They told him about hiring a stripper cop. They told him about eating ice cream on the pit wall. Stories that made it unedited wholesale into this film. Yeah. So Cruz takes these stories to his Top Gun producers, Bruckheimer and Simpson. They like it. So the three of them go and see their NASCAR head, Bill France Jr., and try and convince him to let them play in his NASCAR sandpit. And he did need convincing because a uh, stroke race... <laughs> And he was needing to be assured that this film would make NASCAR look good. In the end, Tom Cruise convinced him. So it's all go. Cruise had already got the bare bones of this story conceived, uh, but he needed a writer to plump them up. And in a 2021 documentary, The Golden Hour, about the making of this film, Jerry Bruckheimer says, We worked months and months on the script because the most important part of making a movie is the screenplay. Mm Mm-hmm. You've got to get that right. You've got to get that right. And he says that, talking about Days of Thunder, yeah. with a straight face. The old adage, you can't make a great film from a bad script, mm. you can make a bad film from a good script. <laughs> Where does this fall? <laughs> who knows? Well, you know, who you, uh, you should speak to not an officer and a gentleman screenwriter, Douglas Day Stewart, who was cast aside after his attempt, uh, neither Warren Scarron, who'd just written Batman, who uh, did a bit of work on it, but you should speak to... 
Robert Town. I know. The, the, sorry, the... I know, when I saw it, I The like, Robert Town. I was like, there must be two. They're just, it's quite a common name. There must be... No, there isn't. Chinatown Robert Town. Yeah. Uh, he comes on board. Um, hey, I mean... Yeah. The, I've read a lot of theories about why this script isn't better. Yeah. And a lot of people say that Robert Town is obviously a legendary screenwriter, but he is a self-indulgent, sort of takes a novelist approach in terms of his time. When he takes time writing a screenplay, he'll just like work on it for ages and ages and ages. And perhaps writing script on the fly on a movie set isn't one of his strongest fortes. Okay. Which is why he had to do a shit ton on this. Right. So just turn up and do the scene and not have the time to make it good. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into like the history of the making of this movie, but basically shit was being written as it was being shot and okay. then reshot with the new script because the scene that was being shot didn't work with the script. Fine, okay. It was it was by all accounts an utterly nuts shoot. Um mm. you've read High Concept, haven't you? I have. I went back and reread some of it. Oh good, because I didn't. I've picked out some quotes. So so um High Concept is a book by Charles Fleming about the life and times of Don Simpson. Right. Who is a very bad man yeah and he was truly spiraling out of control on this film this, so. this was at, this is this is at his worst this mm. is was this a movie that broke up him and Bruckheimer's? uh no it wasn't that was later actually yeah sorry yeah. yes the visionary alliance the visionary this, that's it mm. yeah yeah the visionary alliance they just signed that contract with paramount oh and my as, god as part of this visionary alliance don simpson was going to not only produce the films, he was going to direct art house movies and act in movies. Wow. Obviously, that comes up here. And it was like, it was just an insane contract to give these guys. Yeah. It made no sense. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Robert Town, obviously, we talked about him last week in The Godfather. And the biggest coup uh, this movie felt they did was getting Robert Duvall to play Harry Hogue mm -hmm. in this movie. And I agree. So you've got all this lined up. You've got Robert Town writing it, Cruz is in it, Brookheimer and Simpson are on a freaking roll right now after Beverly Hills Cop, Top Gun, uh, Flashdance, like the 80s were good to them. Paramount are confident. Everyone's loving it. Why mm. Why would you have any doubt? Mm -hmm. You're making Top Gun on wheels. It's going to be a massive hit. Yeah, the, the Paramount chief, Frank Mancuso, because Beverly Hills Cop, they called that Top Cop. He said there was Top Cop, Top Gun, and now Top Car. Mm. <laughs> So, uh, in terms of this relationship, so Paramount, they just renegotiated their deal with Paramount, Brookheimer and Simpson. It was for $300 million for five movies, any five movies that they chose to make over five years, as well as perks, including home cinema systems installed at the studio's expense in both their homes. And they insisted in all the trades that their relationship wasn't producers, it was as a visionary alliance. Mm -hmm. That was actually had the, how they had to be quoted. They were a visionary alliance and um, they described their relationship in the press with Paramount, the studio funding them as, we meet them at the premiere. <laughs> That's how they described it. Basically, they were completely autonomous. Like, yeah. They could do what the hell they liked as we found out. <laughs> so... Uh, Days of Thunder was the first pairing of this visionary alliance under Paramount. It was also the last one movie, not five. <laughs> it was a troubled production, uh, which basically revolved uh, around massive arguments and massive overspend, frequently called the Heaven's Gate of action movies. So it all boils down to Scott, Simpson, Bruckheimer and Town arguing about everything on a daily basis. And when Paramount ever tried to intervene and go, hey, guys, what's going on here? Can you all just get along and give us the movie? They were told in no uncertain terms to fuck off. Right. And yeah. quite actively by Simpson, go fuck yourselves. Yeah. The yeah. schedule that we gave you 
It doesn't exist anymore. We've recreated a new schedule. Right. When the president of Paramount, Sid Gannis, um, questioned Simpson as to what was happening, as you say, Alex, Simpson said, fuck you, fuck all of you. You don't know what you're talking about. You never know what you're talking about, so fuck you. <laughs> Gannis said, I was shocked by it. I mean, I'm the head of the studio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you like to know um, a little bit of uh, why this would go on to be uh, one of the most expensive movies ever made at the time? Uh, Simpson was taking the studio's money, and like Chris said, he was uh, spiralling at this point. The debauchery had got out of control. $400,000 of studio money to convert his hotel suite into a private gym. Uh, money from the studio to fill his wardrobes with Donna Karen dresses for the ladies his assistants picked up from Daytona Beach for him. Okay. <laughs> uh, taking over a local club for private parties featuring his favourite rapper, Tone Lock. <laughs> uh, Simpson rented out an entire strip club. This is from one of the NASCAR drivers uh, who was invited along as a supervisor. You got to the strip club and the whole parking lot had been converted on studio money to look like a NASCAR crash had taken place. <laughs> there was a NASCAR on fire in the middle of it for the whole night. <laughs> So it's someone's job to make sure that fire doesn't go out. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, apparently they rented out an entire floor of the Hilton in Charlotte and cut holes in the walls of all the rooms so they could walk from one end of the hallway to the other without having to use a door. <laughs> that can't be true. Well, well be true. Jerry Bruckheimer, when asked about this recently, said, I, I don't remember a lot of that and I'm sure there's a reason for it. <laughs> So, uh, like like Chris said, uh, Simpson also wanted to be an actor. So he has a role uh, written for himself in this based on the legendary race driver uh, Mario Andretti called Aldo Benedetti. They shoot masses of footage, unusable. Mm. Scott cuts it all out of the film, apart from one little cameo later on. And all this meant that the film's budget of $35 million goes up to $60 million. To put that in perspective, Total Recall, which came out, I think, a month earlier, was touted as the most expensive movie ever made at $65 million right. in the same year. Total Recall looks like the mm. most expensive movie ever yeah. made in 1990. Yeah. None of the money that was spent on this movie is on screen. No. It's ridiculous. So uh, the icing uh, on the proverbial cake is that having spent $60 million and they've got a June uh, release date, uh, June the 6th, they're all set up. They realise, and I, I've checked and checked, and it feels like this is real. They start putting the film together. They're ready to take it to cinemas on the 6th of June. They've forgotten to shoot the bit where Cole Trickle wins the last race. <laughs> so they have to fly back to Daytona to shoot him. You still don't see him crossing the line. <clears throat> Do you know? There's not a shot of him crossing the line. You see him approaching the line, but not crossing the line, which is pretty basic uh, in this yeah. kind of story. <laughs> um uh, the the thing is, though, I mean, this is the the star power of Cruise at this point, off the back of Rain Man, uh, you know, Top Gun, but then recently Rain Man, born on the 4th of July, was such that even though the press was appalling for this film, it still made 158 million. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Did you hear about the this? Because um, Katzenberg was at Paramount, left to go to Disney. Mm. And did you hear about the sort of back and forth they had? So um, it was due to open the same weekend as Dick Tracy at one point. And so um, Simpson sent Katzenberg a fax saying, you can't escape the thunder. And Katzenberg faxed back, you won't believe how big my dick is. <laughs> um, their release date then got pushed. And obviously it got all this bad press. But as I mentioned, Sid Gannis, the studio head, he said, we tried to buy the opening weekend and we succeeded. But it opened to $15 million, whereas two weeks before Dick Tracy opened to $22 million. And his dick was bigger because it outgrossed him by $20 million. <laughs> Yeah, 
It was a financial success, though, by the end, Days of Thunder, uh, although no way near what was expected by Paramount. Simpson and Bruckheimer blame Paramount for its box office, saying the studio rushed its planning and release. Paramount blamed them for overspending. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then they parted ways after this one film, so the deal uh, goes. um, And... uh, my favourite Brockheimer quote on this is from a 2021 interview uh, where he says about the the fact that the budget uh, didn't just go over but doubled almost what it was meant to be. He said, <laughs> again, straight face, that's why it's called a budget. It's an estimate. It's not. I know! <laughs> He it's also, very much written down. He also put out a statement saying that it's a film about the difference between courage and bravery. Right. I don't know what that means. <laughs> he also uh, says... No, I don't. That's just, they're similar, aren't they? Like Robert Towns said that. So, no, it's fine, because it's about the difference between courage and bravery. So actually, don't worry about all this exposition, because it's a massive theme. Why did no one just say to Robert, literally, here's the script for Top Gun. Cross out planes, write cars, done. <laughs> You can go home. It's, I, I mean, it would actually be a better film as well. Uh, Brockheimer says, <laughs> when someone goes, well, what do you think the legacy of uh, Days of Thunder is? And he goes, it's a film we're still talking about 30 years later. Yeah. God. How many films do you remember 30 years after they were made? <laughs> Dick Tracy, I guess. A lot. A lot recall. Most films. <laughs> Terrific. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, any more for the history of the making of Desert Thunder? All right, then. Let's go through this movie. Classic Scott golden hour footage at the start. Mm. The Confederate flag mm. fluttering everywhere above the Daytona racetrack. Uh, now banned. Yeah. Mm. I remember. I remember when they did that and people lost their shit. Mm-hmm. But it's not there anymore. No, it was banned. Was it last year or the year before? A couple, only a couple of years mm. uh, it's been banned. Uh, but then you see those names appearing. And I, I genuinely, because I hadn't seen it, I mean, I knew its reputation, but I was like, fresh eyes, looking forward to this. And you see that list of names appearing. Simpson and Brockheimer, Scott, Robert Bloody Town, Cruz, uh, Randy Quaid, Robert Duvall, yeah. Michael Rooker, Kerry Elwes, John C. Riley. I'm yeah. like, jeez, mm. I didn't it's, even remember some of these stacked, being in it. Stacked with really good character actors. Mm. Uh, John C. Riley, uh, who plays Buck, uh, says it was his fourth ever, mo- ever movie and it was his first blockbuster. And he said in an interview, I was like, OK, so this is how the blockbuster thing works. And then over the se- next several years, I was fortunate enough to work on other blockbusters and realised, oh, OK, so every shoot doesn't try and burn down entire hotels. Good to know. <laughs> It doesn't waste any time in getting into the exposition, does it? Fucking hell. Woo! That is a talky scene, but... But Randy meeting Harry, Randy Quaid's uh, car dealership owner, uh, useless information already, uh, meets uh, Robert Duvall, Harry. Uh, it's a, a lot of information. Thankfully, it's dynamic, though, because mm. Harry's on a tractor. He's on a slow-moving tractor. <laughs> the only vehicle even Tony Scott can't make look sexy. Yeah. He makes a fucking train look sexy. It's so disappointing. Oh. It's like the don't meet your heroes thing. Like you see Robert Town's name come up and Tony's got there is obviously there's no one better. Stuff that's stationary or moving in a circle, he's fucking awesome at. Mm. And then you get this scene in a tractor where two guys that know each other tell you stuff that there's no way that they don't already know. Oh yeah. In such a way as to be the most boring way of doing it. And you're like, but you're you're like, oh but but you're Robert Town. <laughs> How is this possible? It's, it's nuts. We've it's all, nuts that this is the opening scene. Yeah. We've also done a film that made a tractor sexy. Wait, 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 wait. There's wait, a game wait. of chicken on tractors. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Footloose. 
<laughs> yeah, it didn't. It didn't. It makes you look at Chinatown because you're like, God, Robert, sure don't tell. Come on, man. And yeah. you think, she's my daughter, she's my sister's just telling. And then it makes you look back at that and think, what a load of shit that was. <laughs> Rob, it... It's Robert Town thinks that we as an audience are more interested in corporate sponsorship than we actually are. It's, so, it's such a weird decision. <laughs> I where, don't care. Like, if this doesn't happen, I'm going to lose. Oh, are you going to lose your sponsor? <laughs> Why isn't it? But you the, will die. It's yeah. so obviously in front of you. That's the emotional beat at the end when Michael Rooker, where Rowdy is like, if you don't drive my yeah, car, I'll lose my, sponsor. I'll lose my sponsor and be unable to build my $10 million house. Yeah, so you so go out there, drive son. Drive my car. <laughs> you do it for me. Uh, uh, Robert Duvall, Harry, loves his moonshine. Um, this is actually quite interesting. Uh, I'm not saying more interesting than the film, but certainly quite interesting. Um, stock car racing uh, comes from, and NASCAR in general, comes from moonshine. From moving product. So they had to soup up uh, their cars to outrun the police, oh. but the cars still had to look normal so as not to arouse suspicion. So they had to look like stock cars. That's awesome. Oh, wow. Which is where the phrase comes from. It's a great idea for a film. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And do you know where the phrase bootlegging actually comes from? You used to hide it down your boots. Correct. That was easy, that one. Yeah. Oh, might. okay. <laughs> How about well done? <laughs> no, well, well, well done, but uh, stock cars is better. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, we find out that Harry quit NASCAR in what sounds like a really suspect way. His last driver died in a crash and it was probably the fault of Harry's car, but if he quit, there wouldn't be an investigation. Yeah, I don't think that's how investigations work. <laughs> if you're responsible for someone's death, you can't say, I resign, oh, fine, go and live your life. He's done what? Gabbits! We almost had him. Yeah, weird. <laughs> weird, goes and hides in a barn. Where is he? You know, we check the barn. <laughs> Uh, so Harry comes back, enter Cole Trickle, and I do mean enter. Um, wow. Uh, comes through a puff of smoke. It's brilliant. Uh, was it too expensive to have him riding a lion? <laughs> yeah. But to be fair, I mean, it is funny. We're laughing at it, but Harry laughs at him as well, which I think it, the film's almost is, is yeah, got his in tongue in cheek. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and not for the first time you go, uh, thank God for Robert Duvall in this movie. Yeah. I mean. But Cole Trickle, named after a driver. You know this? Yeah. I did not. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad for all my cold trickle jokes now. Uh, he's the real guy. He was a short track racer called uh, Dick Trickle. <laughs> <laughs> I, pe- I put my hand over my mouth. Genuinely. Yeah. Well, he, I'm, sure, I'm sure you're not the first person to laugh at his name. Okay. But yes. Nevertheless, I don't think there's any cause for you to then use that name in your film. Yeah, because it's I mean, an you... inside reference. So we're all, he's like, oh, I'm Cold Trickle. And then we're all like, what? <laughs> but if you, who's going, oh, after the famous mm. Dick Trickle? Mm. Like, I mean, only a few people. If you're going to do it, you go, you go all in, don't you? You go all in, you go, it's Dick Trickle or nothing. Sure. <laughs> So, Cole Trickle is a former IndyCar racer. Uh, Harry doesn't like his attitude, but boy, can that kid drive. Uh, he gets in Rowdy Burns' car, beats his time in a test lap, and bosh, we've got our instant rivalry. This guy is a threat. Now he just needs a car, so Harry decides to build him one in a barn. <laughs> Talking to it. Yep. I'm going to put some doors on you. <laughs> yeah. I don't think this, this windscreen's going to be the cleanest windscreen. You're going to ride. I don't <laughs> think rubber. talking to the car works. No, it no. really doesn't. Uh, and they do it more than once. Why can't is... he just be talking to John C. Riley, which mm. is what he does in a bit? But I suppose it's to I show... I guess it's supposed to be whimsical and it's... It's that homegrown kind of like, you imagine all the corporate people, all the other racers sure, are in their, yeah. in their factories and where, yeah. where, where cars about, are yeah. normally yeah. built. He, loves but he builds cars. one in a dusty barn. With it's his built, hands, It's yeah. built with love, but yeah. I just don't think it works. 
No. Uh, do you know who else uh, finds it amusing? Uh, John C. Riley, who said, uh, when I was in Talladega Nights 15 years later, I tried to get them to let me shoot that same scene uh-huh. where I was talking and rubbing, then getting way too intimate with the car. Like, I'm going to buff you out and pump you full of octane, baby. <laughs> we didn't shoot it. That was probably for the best. Uh-huh. Oh, shake and bake. So uh, there was just just because it appeared to be a competition for who could waste more money on this movie, they uh, wrote Robert Town wrote more barn stuff, and then he didn't like the barns that were built to his specifications, so just scrapped them. Robert Town didn't like them. Robert Town didn't like them. The writer didn't the writer like the barns. Didn't like the bar- he checked the barns. That Did he, he check the script where he went? Interior barn. <laughs> it's a normal looking barn. <laughs> <laughs> he had, he had very. It's Robert Town. It's, it's Robert Town. Do you even need to write? It's a normal looking you know barn. I think barn does all the work. Barn you need does there. the work for you. The slug line's done it. In fact, Robert Town, if you put barn, no, you've amateur hour. Uh. <laughs> Chinatown, though. <laughs> Chinatown's China. good, isn't it? That's great. No, no barns. No, <laughs> that's why it's so good. So. um it's time for Cole to race. Let's get Cole racing now. And I'm, I'm going to say it up front. This three minutes, I timed it, 42 seconds is fucking brilliant. Yes. And this is the movie that Days of Thunder should be. Yep. It's incredible. Everything comes together in this moment. It's when the music comes in, give me some loving comes on and the tone and the humour and the action just all marry into a massively feel-good experience. And I was like, yes! And then it stops. Mm. But... Until until then, just like the the whole montage of going all the different race tracks and Harry Hogue and then bantering on the radio, you're like, this is what I've yeah. this is what I thought I was going to get for the rest of the movie. A good sports movie, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, it's not. Um, Trickle continues to treat Hogue uh, brashly until Hogue delivers some um, some advice um, about cars because the whole thing is like, and actually, I do like this moment as well. Cold trickle, basically. It's like, because he's not vulnerable enough in this mm-hmm. film. Uh, but here, when he says, I, I'm an idiot, I don't have the vocabulary, it makes him seem like, you know, the whole facade, this whole arrogant thing, it disappears for a moment. A few more bits like that would have been good. There is a bit earlier on when um, Robert Duvall won't let him drive the car, or he, or Michael Rooker won't let him drive the car. He says, "I'm." What does he say? I'm not going to make a fool of you. He says something yeah. nice. He doesn't say, "Fuck you, guy." Yeah. He says something which is, <laughs> "Hey, fuck you, guy." <laughs> yeah. He Harry, says something guy. mature and grown up and thoughtful. So he is. I don't know. I I like the moment where he's like, "I'm an idiot," but I think it's only there so that the audience can go, "Well, we don't have the language either, so we can go on this journey with you." Yeah, and there's a bit later as well, isn't there? When he's in there, is it the MRI machine? The, the, he's having a CAT scan yeah. and he he asks for someone to be able to talk to him when he's in the machine because he's scared. And yeah. he's like, I'm used to having someone talk on the radio to yeah. me. Can someone do that? Nice. Not enough, though. No. Not enough. Uh, so Harry warms to him and dec- decides to teach him how to race, uh, which gives us another thrilling race sequence. And also full credit to Scott because he shoots the shit out of these races. I mean, both both in the amount of footage he shot and how cool it looks. I was genuinely on the edge of my seat. Like, yeah. even if the logic here is a bit nuts, 
So Harry may have killed his last driver because of the quality of his car is what we're led to believe at this point as the audience. He then lies to Cole and tells him he's put special tyres on their car, allowing him to pass on the outside, which is also the most dangerous part of the track. Randy Quaid actually says, you're going to get him killed. Yeah. Cole says, just to emphasise his trust and his naivety, I guess, is like, OK, Harry, if it's about the car... I trust you. It all makes Harry seem really reckless. Like yeah. he's playing with Cole's life, which at the point we're led to believe he's already killed someone. Yeah. Makes him seem like a bad guy. It's because Robert Tell wanted to be too clever. So this would be your, as in Ghostbusters, the cross the streams thing. Don't cross the streams. Never go on the outside. The last time someone went on the outside, he got killed. Don't do it. Mm. So he doesn't do it. He loses the race. Save it for the end. He does it. He wins, obviously. But Robert Town wanted to do make a rule, break a rule, stick to the rule kind of thing. So he, he wanted to have it another arc in that rules mm. system and it doesn't work. It's fun when he goes on the inside later because you're not expecting it. But like you say, we think this is very dangerous. It's going to get him killed. Doesn't get him killed. So is it fine or not? Like it's meant to be the most lethal thing you can do. Yeah. Clearly it's absolutely fine. And of all the things I thought was going to be uh, levelled at Days of Thunder today, uh, being too clever wasn't one of them. <laughs> yeah. So I was grinning though. I was grinning when Cole won. I do. I. I, I think the racing in this movie is, is good. Um, we also find out that Cole's dad ripped him off, and that's why he isn't racing indie cars anymore. Thus, positioning Harry as his kind of surrogate father in a relationship that is not explored, but should have been because their relationship is a lot better than his relationship with Claire, mm-hmm. played by Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just before she arrives, uh, the film decides to cash in all the goodwill it's built up so far. <laughs> hey, shall we have a stripper cop? <laughs> and she's really kind. I don't know. Weird. Yeah, not she's sexy. like, oh, sorry, but he thought he'd like it. Yeah. Like, it's just so... <laughs> she's almost like holding his trickle and going... I'm sorry. Do you like... Do you, I don't have to do this. Yeah. If, you, if you don't, are you uncomfortable? Yeah. Yeah, she's just so thoughtful. It's such a weird scene. It's uh, it's awkward. It doesn't work. There's no button on it. It ends with a lot of boys sort of laughing because yeah. they think it's the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. And you, I watched it and I was like, the fuck was that doing there? And then you realise in a moment that it's it was... only for mm, that. It's yeah. setting up this setting other up. awful bit. Yeah. <laughs> But this is so, so frustrating. You're Robert Town. You're like, okay, it's there's, here's our romantic arc. As with everything, these two need to be set apart at first. And how will we do that? Well, what if he was rude to her? Why would he be rude to her? What if? What if there was a misunderstanding and he thought she was a stripper? Okay, yeah, okay, let's do that. It's so, <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Yeah, uh, more. Weird it's like something from a crap sitcom. Yeah, it feels very sitcommy that humor. It does. It does. Uh, we'll be back after this break. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
Okay, we're back, uh, and we're back to racing. Uh, another another great race. I'm, I, honestly, I told you I like car races, and I love watching a car uh, recover from a spin. Okay. It's, just, it's just a personal uh, personal uh, not fetish. You, you could do that in real life if your car span. So an interesting thing. I don't own a car because I'm terrified that I'd go of really crashing. fast. No, because I'd go really fast. Why would you go fast? You'd break the law. So one of the reasons I love this film is because Tom Cruise is actually driving those cars. Yeah. And you, I get a buzz from watching what a buzz he's getting from driving those cars. Because Tom Cruise, as we all know, loves like speed. And what I'm hearing is... You're too dangerous to own a car. Is that what you think? You put I... me behind that. You put me behind that. Danger. I was trying to do it in a more subtle way to sort of <laughs> sow the seeds that people like, you know, without actually saying it outright. Right, okay. But yeah, I'm, I think I'm pretty sexy in that respect. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I can't be near a car. Have you ever been karting? I have, yeah. Okay. I have. I went to where uh, Lewis Hamilton, when he was a kid, did um, where we trained. That's not right. Is he drove a go-kart? Go-kart, kart, whatever it is, in Stretton. I don't know what's happening. I went to the place where Lewis Hamilton used to <laughs> right. go okay. and I drove a cart fast around a track. But not a big car, a little mini thing. They had a, a picture go-kart. of him. Did you just compare yourself to Lewis Hamilton? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what he was doing in that story. <laughs> you didn't meet him. <laughs> well, did. He wasn't there. I was pretty good. They were like, we've got a picture of him on the wall. Do you um, want a picture on the wall? I once, I had, a five gu- I once had a Five Guys and um, there's a photo of Tom Hardy eating a Five Guys. <laughs> It's a sort of similar story, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I have. Have you been karting, Chris? Uh, not since I was a kid. I went karting not that long ago mm. and I loved it. Yeah. But like, I genuinely like just go, I, I go so fast. And it's not the best way to drive a car, although I did come second and the only person <laughs> who came above me uh, was... Was Lewis I, Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically, he is, he's like the new Lewis Hamilton. He's the Lewis Hamilton uh, in the karting world. Okay. Mm. But I got flagged because you're not allowed to drive like a maniac. <laughs> Like, yeah, I got flagged, baby. For being too badass. <laughs> Seriously. That's, they were like, they were like, we love what you do, but you, you just can't do that here. This... <laughs> that was the best driving I ever saw. <laughs> until he almost got killed. <laughs> well, that, uh, un, until it wasn't, which was most of it. <laughs> well, some of the driving here got quite unsafe um, because, as you said, Robert Town was writing lines on the fly. And according to iConcept, Tom Cruise was then reading those new lines off the dashboard <laughs> while he was driving until it became clear that's actually quite dangerous to be looking down and reading <laughs> what while you're in line? a car. I forgot this. Like, is this Robert Town's work? We look like a monkey fucking a football. <laughs> that, yeah. I mean, I've never heard that turn of phrase. OK, so what Robert Town did was he, him and Tom Cruise uh, and then Robert Town on his own, they went to meet. They just walked like the NASCAR circuits when races were on and Robert Town had a microphone strapped to the bill of his uh, baseball hat and a tape recorder and just recorded um, all the conversations and then transcribed them. So that's why. And they also had NASCAR drivers on set who basically, so Robert Town would write a line, the Robert Town would write a line and then Tom Cruise would say it and a NASCAR driver would go, a driver would never say that. And so Robert Town would go, okay, cool. Cross that out and write, a monkey fucking a football. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it worked. Okay. That's why those lines are in there. I like the line, but it just made me think of a monkey fucking a football for too long <laughs> and then I couldn't concentrate on the scene. It's just sort of weird. It's weird that sort of like... Like the ice cream bit in this race, uh, in, in one of the montages, they're eating an ice cream and it's, it's sort of like... It's sort of a half joke. It like doesn't. It's like they're eating an ice cream and Cole's not allowed an ice cream because he's driving a yeah. car and you go... And it was only after I read that that was a real story that he was told by NASCAR drivers that you're sort of like, okay... I guess that's a funny story. I yeah. thought it was a funny moment. 
Uh-huh. They're pissed off with him. I feel it should be... It, feel, it needs just something more. But anyway... Where are we now? Uh, oh, of course, uh, Claire Lewicki, uh, a, a twenty-something-year-old neurologist. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think up. Nicole Kidman was twenty-two. Mm. Can you be a, a neurologist a at twenty-two? Consultant neurologist <laughs> at twenty-two. <laughs> she is a child genius. Yeah, and that backstory is <laughs> never explored. She's Dewey Hauser. Mm. <laughs> also, maybe she is making rookie mistakes because. I think if you have a brain injury and your colleague also has a brain injury, you don't get given your results of the scan side by side. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're confidential. <laughs> She's like, on the left is your brain and on the right is your brain. It's very odd. <laughs> oh, it's like what were we, t- we were talking about that in the... Uh... Oh no! It was no. It's something completely different. But it, it's. Uh, I was listening to the Always Sunny podcast that you put me mm, on to. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. There's a funny story in that, which is a bit like this, where it's like, don't get, it's like, you don't do it together. It's like, so my news is good. I'm fine. And have you got any news for Rowdy? <laughs> <laughs> He's a bit rude here, though, Harry. I think when he tells Lewicki that she needs to reassure Cole. Yeah. Um. It's mansplaining of the words. I mean, she knows what she's doing. She's, she's a, a doctor. She's a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's a consultant. But a 22-year-old consultant. Yeah. Thanks for your advice, Harry. <laughs> so uh, she doesn't like Cole initially because he, he makes her touch his trickle, uh, which will do that. Uh, and also because he's an infantile egomaniac. Um, but Rowdy and Cole become friends after uh, what is quite a good scene, the wheelchair race. Yeah, I just think it, watching it this time, it feels so. As I said, that's what I remembered. Yeah. But then to repeat it so soon after with the rental cars, mm-hmm. it feels like you're making the same joke in the space of five minutes. Yeah. And also that this is both the street races. This one and the one that comes later is they're properly dangerous. Mm. And the only the only good thing that came from this street race is that I think Sylvester Stallone saw it and went, "I like that. I'm going to do that." And driven with Formula One cars. Oh, yeah. mm. But um, if I'm honest, I was getting a bit bored now uh, in the movie because everything away from the racetrack doesn't work. Uh, the romance is underwhelming. Um, Claire decides she likes Cole after all. Uh, he teaches her about using the car uh, as a, in a slingshot on her thigh. You're not going to do anything weird on my leg, are you, Cole? Ooh, <laughs> that's a bad line. What are you going to do on my leg? <laughs> uh, uh, but we've met Russ Wheeler now, played uh, by Carrie Elwes. Iceman. Yeah. So he's playing Iceman, and then he went on to play Iceman in Hot Shots. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing casting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not really clear why he's such a dickhead, except the script demands a dickhead. No, yeah. you're just, yeah, you're rowdy number two. We've got rid of our actual enemy. Yes. We need another one. Uh, uh, and this, I mean, honestly, this is where I started... Losing the will to live a little bit. So Randy Quaid likes Russ and so sets up a second team mm. that mm. Russ can be the driver in so that come the climax, Cole can race against Russ, but they're not on the same team. Why Why it has to be Randy, I don't know. There's a bit later on where he shouldn't really lend them an engine, but does lend them an engine yeah. to prove that he's a nice guy in the end, but here he's not a nice and guy. He helps, he helps him in the pit lane as well. Yeah, I, 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 I don't understand what is going on. <laughs> 
it, it's amazing how convoluted this portion of this movie is. I mean, when it could just, be so simple. I mean, you've just got to have rival teams. We don't need. To, you don't need to tell us about. I don't even need to hear the word sponsor. No, I really. I don't want to. Rival teams. <laughs> yes, and a scoreboard, please. <laughs> and a scoreboard. Uh, genuinely, though, I do think the film is. It, it verges on incoherence. Yeah. At this point, uh, which is amazing when you think. Make Top Gun with cars. And also, Robert Duvall disappears for too long, and he is the linchpin in this movie. So, uh, Cole takes out Russ Wheeler after the race is finished, and. That's attempted murder. It, it certainly gets you banned from that school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but I also think it's attempted murder. <laughs> the race has ended. Yeah. And he not, right, to, he not to undermine <laughs> attempted murder. Yeah. He literally drives his car straight into him at top speed. Yeah. Yeah. It's an insane moment. And and um, there's no fallout from it. And Lewicki is pretty cool about it. She's chill. I feel like she should be the voice of reason here. We You're need insane. To, we need to You're do another, another CAT scan immediately. <laughs> Something's wrong with your brain. I'll just get in this taxi with you. Uh, so um, they've lost a car, but then Rowdy goes, have my car because of sponsorship. Um, so really, corporate sponsorship is our big uh, climactic emotional beat, uh, which cons- well, you have to sort of sit back and go, considering what this movie is, perfect fit. Sure. Um, we find out that it- you mm. might need to help me with this. Yes. I've got some notes. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, we find out that it wasn't Duval's fault. No. Uh, that his last driver, who was John C. Riley's dad in the film, died. Because um, of a lack of imagination. What? Nothing killed Buddy but his imagination. Right. I, I don't know what that means, but that's what killed him. Right. Is it, is it, he says a line here that I think leans into it. So he says he was talking really fast on the radio. Yeah. Was he on drugs? Is that what we're leaning into? He was on drugs or he was drunk? And Robert Duvall, Harry leaves NASCAR to stop them doing an autopsy oh. on the body because then that would undermine the legacy of the driver and upset John C. Yeah, Ryan's character. I thought he was having a seizure or something and that was it. But no, I think it was something that he... I think that the reason he stops the investigation is because he was on drugs or drunk. But okay. I thought he was saying he was talking fast. The, the point there was that it wasn't carbon monoxide that, that killed him. Mm. So he was still talking normally. and Which we have to establish it wasn't Harry's fault. No. So he must have left for another reason, which is to, they were only going to perform an autopsy if Harry was still in NASCAR. I did not hear the word autopsy. I'm almost uh, I wouldn't have written autopsy. No, then. fair enough, fair enough. So it's it's that. We're, we're going with that anyway. If anyone has a different suggestion for what killed that driver, do not write it. Do not write it. I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> so Cole is scared. Like Maverick, uh, Duval, Harry is scared. Uh, so he talks to the car again to look after Cole. Uh, but there's a leak. They don't have an engine. Something trickling out. Mm. Randy gives him an engine. Uh, Russ Wheeler decides he's not like Iceman enough and so <laughs> says the actual words, Cole is a danger to himself and other drivers. Yep. Uh, Claire can't watch Cole race, but then she can. She can. <laughs> She'll put on her best white suit <laughs> and come down to the track. <laughs> I can't watch you race until I go home and change. <laughs> Uh, Cole tells her, I'm more afraid of being nothing than I am of being hurt. Right. Nob. It's just, <laughs> that is basically saying, when I'm with you and it's just us, I don't feel like anything. Yeah, but true. in this car, I'm fuck, something. I feel like something. 
Yeah, I'm really? more afraid of being. Yes, that is that. Yeah, it is. Okay, she, yeah. she, he is what she said he is, which is an infantile mm. maniac, mm, an infantile egomaniac. Yeah, she, she is deranged, selfish, crazy. All the things she said, and as a doctor, I trust her, mm. are correct. And but she, she didn't like him for those reasons, and now she loves him for those reasons. Oh, <laughs> dangerous. Where's what's the arc here? He's he's the same, but he's admitting it. He's a winner now. <laughs> I thought I was like, do you get money? Imagine she's probably making an absolute ton as a child genius consultant neurosurgeon. <laughs> well, certainly. I mean, she's going to be a neurologist longer than most neurologists, so she's going to yeah, make, that's true. make more. Lifetime value yeah, exactly. on TV of her job. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, we've covered the Randy Quaid engine reveal that completely falls flat. Um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, he wins the race. Apart from when they go, he's winning. There's just 23 laps to go. <laughs> and you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> this is why I don't watch actual racing. Well, not all racing is like this. Have you ever tried? I've tried to watch NASCAR because like, I, I I should love it. But it's the oval track thing. I just sort of can't get my head mm. around it. And I also, I don't understand. There's a line in this where they say that all stock cars are built equal and yes. it's all the drivers. Is that yes, true? which I... is what separates it from F1. Right. Yeah, which is, I didn't know that and that was a good thing to learn. Mm. I like that. Uh, and then um, you should never underestimate the, uh, as we established on the Top Gun episode, the very end of a movie where the the credits start to roll and how you manage that like dictates how you leave a movie theatre. If you're on a high or not, you get a lot of, uh, you get a lot of goodwill from a good end sequence. An open mouth Robert Duvall and Tom Cruise freeze frame sprinting along a pit lane for no, no apparent reason. And they look happy. What do we he do? does though, yeah. I mean, they both look happy, but it's sort of like, what am I taking from this? That, that yeah. It, I don't know what the message is, and then I do not need to hear the white snake front man. What's <laughs> his name? Dave Co- David Cloverdale's uh, song, yeah. Last Note of Freedom. Um, I could do without that as well. It, it's certainly no... Um, Loving feeling. Uh, no. And it's no Berlin. Uh, actually, Vicky, what are your thoughts on Show Me Heaven by Maria McKee? Uh, I'll tell you when we get to the sections. <laughs> <laughs> what, did you? Did I sing it at karaoke? No. Did I not? I, just, I, I we, normally we do. To, we talked a lot about I'll uh, Take My Breath Away and I just wanted to uh, have an I opinion. I think it's excellent. Okay, good. I really like that song. It's a good song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is it, but not as good as Take My Breath Away? No. Okay. Although for karaoke, it's better. Take My Breath Away is quite boring mm. to sing, but the key change is powerful. Mm. Show Me Heaven is ultimate shouting, so it's better in the karaoke box. I know what we're doing tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Sold. Uh, the legacy of this, like you said on Monday with Top Gun, like Top Gun sort of created this uh, entire uh, genre of uh, yeah. films. And uh, this did a, a, a great job of uh, stopping uh, the hedonism of Hollywood. Days of Plunder uh, was the headline frequently used in uh, the build-up to the release of this by the Hollywood press. And it genuinely killed this visionary alliance open checkbook business model because of the first movie being made under that, giving producers this autonomous freedom uh, from a studio. It was a massive uh, failure in terms of what they expected it to be. I guess it also makes you question whether you could make a good film about driving because... I mean, Le Mans, mm. uh, there was just so many bad driving films yeah. and you've mentioned Stallone one. And so I think the, the thinking was you can't. And mm. then, you know, the last 10 years, we've had two good ones, Rush and Ford v Ferrari. Yep. Good films, mm. good driving films. And I think, actually, I, I disagree with you. I, I don't really like the racing in this. I think it's all up too close to the cars. I can't really see what's going on. And I like the fact those two films, the car was pulled back and I could see more of the track and I could get some context as to what was happening. 
I forget what his name was, but the guy who was driving the camera car in this, the stunt driver, he's, well, he went on like the kit that they built for this movie has been used. Uh, it would never been designed before. So like the Fast and the Furious movies, Baby Driver recently all used the kit mm. that was designed for Days of Thunder. Mm. So it was kind of a revolutionary yeah. way of shooting cars up close. Drive. That's yeah. A good one. Mm. That's a good one. So yeah, this killed off uh, the uh, the anti-auteur movement and uh, Hollywood hedonism. Uh, although a few movies like Waterworld still tried to do it uh, five years later, uh-huh. but as a rule, studios uh, got their power back. Any more for any more? No, right now, let's do the bits. Best scene, Vicky. The montage where Cole Trickle is rubbish at driving. Rule of three. Then you get a fourth one. And you think, no, I'm over it. But it's not. The fourth one's about ice cream, so it doesn't matter. It's good. <laughs> Mine too. I'll jump in. Mine too. That is exactly mine. Uh, give me some loving on the soundtrack as well. Yeah. It's, it's just fun. Yeah. It's like a fun, upbeat thing. And the rest of the movie after it just gets so dour. Chris? I like the wheelchair race. Yeah. That's it. All right. <laughs> cool. Uh, most valuable whatever then, Chris? Um. I was going to say the line about a monkey fucking a football, but maybe not. I'm I'm liking Michael Rooker in this film. Okay. Yeah, he's my favourite thing. Me? This song, Show Me Heaven by Maria <laughs> McKee. <laughs> uh, mine's Duval. I just think, I, I think he sells the shit out of like, like nothing. Like just like saying like phrases. Do you like... think he was tempted to like, you'd be like, Tony, what if I got off the tractor though and like came down and took and mano a mano and just had a chat and just sorted it out? No, stay in the tractor. Right. <laughs> what, what if I just drove it forward really slowly? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, I, I also, I, I, credit to Scott again, both, the, both these films. I just love the way he shoots vehicles uh, and I love the way he shoots the races in this. Uh, change, Chris. No, Victoria. You can't swap out the baddie at the last minute because of a brain injury. So you've got a baddie. Rowdy is your enemy. You have to race him and you have to deal with how that makes you feel as the main character. Uh, and also it's got nothing to do with sponsors. It's about winning a race. Mm. That's it. Yeah, I'm the same. They've got to be rival teams. The villain's got to be on the team. Maybe it's Harry's old team. He's got some bad blood with them. He's got a reason for wanting to beat that team. Like, it's simple. That's that's how sports movies work, is through rivalries, I not sponsorships. Do you think it's in, I think what must have happened is in your first your first draft writes itself because it's a sports movie with cars and it's Top Gun. So it does write itself. Rival to everything you've just said. You could write that now in like two hours and it would be done. Mm. But obviously when you're on set... You lose sight of everything. You've got all these hanging threads about like even alcoholism or a mysterious death or whatever. And you just have to convince yourself that you've done a brilliant job. So I suppose Robert Town is like, oh, no, but it's all there if you look. Everything's fine. Mm. But we shouldn't have to look. It should be so blindingly obvious. Why is it so complicated? It doesn't need to. It doesn't like it doesn't need to be like you say. I mean, I even think, you know, you do the roundy is the enemy until the very end when they end up on the same team against an even worse team, a bad, a villain, a big corporation that's just bought their way into NASA. Car, yeah. something else. Like so, you get that friendship, you know. Yeah. The whole proto enemy thing that Roger Ebert <clears throat> was talking about. Anyway, I just think, yeah, it's the script. It's like, what, what is, what, 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 what a mess. Yeah. I have, I have a couple of quotes when we do the verdict regarding the script. Oh well, that's good news then, Chris, because <clears throat> it's time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. So. <laughs> yeah, I was watching actually. Who yeah, wants to go first? So now I know. Okay, so now I know. You know how it works. Who when wants, it's your week. Who wants to go first? So I say. Yeah. It's the verdict. Yeah. And then whoever's week it is who picked the movie. Just but there was a pause, out. wasn't there? I yeah, don't you have to. You have to let let them. Do. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, it's yeah. for the thing. Mm. It's the, not the in drama s- of the moment. The. Yeah. Oh, and the bit where. And it goes, that bit. You well, Cruz, yeah. weirdly enough, you can't handle the truth. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realise that. I thought it was indecision about whose role was a thing. Um, but it's not. Oh, why you've even made Chris's worse? <laughs> I've made you a bit shit. Be, yeah. I'm so sorry. That's sabotage. Sorry, Vicky. What yeah. was your favourite? Well, <laughs> of the films. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Listen. The verdict. I maybe I'm giving away that the verdict is not that important to me. Um, oh wait. Apart right. from when it Cut is. That. Okay. Cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> The verdicts that that's the premise of the show. Alex, oh, I know. Alex, what's your favourite? Uh, okay, so I mean, I, I mean, you just, I, I, it's reductive, actually. Maybe we should have a chat about it. We're choosing between art normally. These two, maybe not Wait, so much, I, but what are you doing? Nothing. We'll cut it out. It's fine. But we could have a talk about it. After. Alex, what's your you favourite? You mean not having a fucking verdict? <laughs> maybe. Well done, everyone. Well done for trying. It's not about winning. Alex, what's your favourite oh, of these two films? My God. <laughs> Yeah, I might change my mind or I might double down. Let's see how I get on. Change your mind. All right, I'll change my mind. I love the verdict. Alex, what's your favourite of these two films, Top Gun and Days of Thunder? Great, thanks, Chris. Uh, Well, as I feel the verdict is a very important part of this show because Mm. it establishes, you know, why we just spent two hours this week talking about two different movies and comparing them. Mm. Uh, I think Days of Thunder is a really fun movie trying to get out of a terrible movie. It needs to not take itself so seriously. It needs to have a tone like Top Gun, be a bit sunnier in its outlook. And this is a personal thing, but I'm a fan of movies that make sense. Um, (laughs) Days of Thunder is nonsense. But I do love the race scenes a lot, a lot. And I think, like... (sighs) I think sometimes people think I pick movies to be contrary in this section. Uh, we've had some feedback on Twitter where people think I'm just doing it to take the piss. Um, but the best bits of Days of Thunder, I think, are better than the best bits of Top Gun, which are the races in Days of Thunder. So my winner is Top Gun. <laughs> Fucking Days of Thunder is not good. <laughs> Vicky, I don't think they're either of them brilliant. I think Top Gun is a bit. Well, it's obviously oh, really. <laughs> no, yeah, <it's>... no. <laughs> so yeah, surprise. Is that why you don't want to win in this week? Just throw them both in the pit. <laughs> no, just Top Gun's cultural footprint is obviously enormous, but it is stitched together. It avoids story where there could be story. Iceman doesn't do anything as an enemy. He should sabotage a plane. He should do something, but he just gro- <laughs> like growls at someone in the shower. Not get anyone killed. I just mean tinker with something. Like a practical joke. Sorry, you want a scene in Top Gun where Iceman tinkers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a need, a need to tinker with this plane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe he bites something off. I don't know. <laughs> Me maybe plays a joke. Like, does all Iceman's role is is to stand around in a towel and speak the truth. <laughs> hey, um, uh, Maverick, I, I've hidden the fuel for your plane in a field. Yeah, or hides the keys, maybe. Do they have keys? Yeah. Yes, Victoria. Do they have keys? Yeah, they do. Yeah. How do you turn on a plane? You have them on your key ring. You just put it in the ignition. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I didn't know that. Um, anyway, but Days of Thunder should be more than the sum of its parts. It should be more than any of its parts. <laughs> it's all its parts are good, <laughs> and none of it is good. Um, so, uh, but I think the plane action and the car action are equal. But I'm just going to go for the one that is more fun and, like you say, makes sense, which is Top Gun. Top Gun is the winner! Yay! Yay! Chris, what would you have gone? I think it's a unique week this week in that both of these films had very direct spoofs made of them, Hot Shots and Talladega Nights, mm. and both times I think the spoof is better than the original <laughs> film. Genuinely. True. Uh, I'm going to do two quotes. One, this is what Don Simpson said when someone approached him with his head in his hands on the set 
of Days of Thunder. He said, we're fucked. There's no story here. We barely have the first act and then we don't have anything after that. <laughs> and then this is studio head Sid Gannis looking back. He said, Days was so difficult, so painful all the way. There was almost no story and there was no ending. It was just cars going round a racetrack. We shouldn't have started without a script. I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> and that's why I'm voting for Top Gun. There you go. Top Gun is our winner this week. So I'm going to open the gateway to movie hell and toss Days of Thunder Do we need to talk about in. this? Did he tell you he was changing no. the bit? Oh. oh, sorry. It's the gateway in the floor of the Clash Pod studio to movie hell. Victoria, throw Days of Thunder in. What? What's happening? <laughs> are, you, are you having right. a breakdown? Yeah, there you go. It's got your yes, okay. shit it in. Let yes, me close it. the gateway to hell. <clears throat> okay. Wow. A little bit of production to make the verdict the most important part. <laughs> We've got of a producer. Uh, Blondie, can you just snip that out? <laughs> I think it makes the whole experience more immersive. And you know, we're in the room, so obviously, you know, shh, there's no real gateway to hell. <laughs> but I think when you listen to that, you're going to see a gateway to hell. Let me just open it. Let me just open it again, just so we can look at. All the do, voices of the damned do, movies um, that we've chucked in there over the years. Do, do tweet Alex and tell him what you think. <laughs> I'll just close the gateway to movie hell again. I'll tell you what, though, I'm being mean to you, but you innovate or die, isn't it? Yeah, so well, no, done. well done, Alex. Good for trying. Well done, and we will, we will discuss this in the pub. <laughs> it's, it's a keeper, uh, for definite. I mean, I'm just going to bring my laptop in and do it every week. You guys, <laughs> it's not up for discussion, so you can talk amongst yourselves in the pub. Uh, right. right there! Next week, Vicky, aren't you going to give us some art for next week? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am looking forward to these movies that uh, are both going to be winners. I mean, yes, mm. frankly. Artistic. So, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> After that speech. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not a hypocrite. <laughs> so the clue was, because I'm proud of this one. Yeah, it's a good one. Mm. Is this seat taken? And that means that, Chris, you are watching from 2014 non-stop Starring Liam Neeson and Alex, you were watching from 2018 The Commuter, starring Liam Neeson. I'll just do it now. I'll just put them both in. There they go. They've both gone in already. They are available on Amazon, Apple, Sky. I have them on DVD, so you can borrow <laughs> mine if you like. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. That's your homework then for the weekend. Uh, it's Non Stop versus The Commuter next week. Chris, you look like you're checking something, or are you just writing a. Email about the movie hell section. I'm adding them into the Google Doc. Okay. I put them in. I had them in the wrong order. Yeah. Right then. Okay. Good. Good. We have a Google Doc uh, for for fans of the show. <laughs> <laughs> really like to get under the skin of the podcast. Uh, it's, a, it's a Google Doc which we update. Not usually when we're in the studio, but fair enough. If you haven't already <laughs> subscribed, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, where we are at Clash Pod. We are back on Monday talking non-stop. Have a lovely, lovely. <laughs> this was a stack production and part of the Acast Creative Network. Talking non-stop. <laughs> oh, the doorway's just gone out. It's it's opened on its own. I've just chucked them both in. Oh, oh no! Let me try and close the doorway to movie hell. It's staying every week. Have <laughs> <laughs> that misery. Chuck me in. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.